0: everyone and welcome to the Royal One podcast, the podcast that empowers you to discover your purpose, embrace your identity and engage faith tenaciously. I'm your host, Dr. Lassandra Barnes, life coach, Bible teacher, speaker, author, and founder of the Royal One Enterprise. I'm so excited to be here with you all and I hope you guys are having an amazing day. So in this episode, I have Pastor Clifton Ross with us, and today we are going to be discussing going from crisis to purpose. So are you guys ready to go on a journey of empowerment? Then let's go. Hey, Clifton, how's it going?
1: Hey, how are you? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for being on the show. I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
1: I am too. It's going to be amazing.
0: Yeah. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Awesome, uh, Pastor Clifton Ross Jr. I am thirty three years old, minister, been a minister since I was seventeen years old. and you know, I just love the Lord. I am a husband. We, uh, my wife and I we've been married for it's going on fifteen years this year. We have three lovely children. One of the things that we focus on in ministry is building people. so everything that we do it revolves around that. So we have podcasts, books, all kinds of materials. We also run two different ministries. One is called Trinity Faith Church, the Dwelling, and the other ministry is called Chasing You, which is a teaching Bible experience that we have.
0: Awesome. Okay, you said you were called to the ministry since you were seventeen. Have you had a desire to do anything else, or is this just the one thing that you've always wanted to do? Was to be in ministry.
1: That's a great question. Actually, I had it's inspired to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that I wanted when I was younger. And I guess my love for law, I guess, was a, a catapult for my love for the word of God. Because, you know, the word of God is definitely is a, a, a manuscript or a constitution, you know, of how we should lead and live our daily lives. So so my love for, you know, the constitution, law, you know, government, those type of different things was a, a, a stepping stone to what God has really desired for me to go and where he wanted me to, to be.
0: I think about... Myself, I know I was called to the ministry when I was 16. So I have been preaching since then. I love to preach. That's one thing I absolutely love to do. But I thought that I would be able to do both, do ministry and work. When the Lord called me to seminary, I knew I kind of had to let that go. I absolutely love preaching, teaching, writing books, doing all those things, but I've always felt like I could do both. But now I'm kind of excited that I just am on that journey of just focusing on ministry full time. So I think that um, a lot of times people don't realize that you can do both.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely can understand that. I was the same with myself. My professional background was in food service. I was a food service director for most of the restaurant concept. For about 16 years, I was doing that and doing ministry as well. And just one day, God called me to do full-time ministry as well. And I'm just enjoying the ride, enjoying the the learning experiences from it. And it's a lot more to learn when you have more time to learn. I say it that way because I don't feel that I could have give God my ultimate yes or my ultimate attention when I was working in food service industry, even though I implemented, you know, marketplace different things to be able to help catapult even in the restaurant industry, uh, such as, you know, I used to minister, pray for my employees, all those different things used to happen as well, because ministry is not a place, it's environment. You know, we create the atmosphere where we're at for the move of God. So I definitely can relate to that.
0: I also think it's important that when you are in the marketplace, that you can utilize that to grow your gift. I know for me, I spent a lot of time in Christian higher ed and I realized it was a really good time to really strengthen my shepherding skills, my coaching skills, you know, a lot of the Mm -hmm. things working hand in hand with the students. It's like, this is really the time when you can minister the most effective in spaces that are outside of what you would normally consider quote unquote ministry. So I think that's also important as well.
1: Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is.
0: So let me ask you this. How would you define purpose?
1: Your purpose is, I would say, is your God given assignment from God. A lot of times we look to other people, we look at what they're accomplishing. We'll say, oh, that would be nice if we can accomplish that. Or that's our definition or our scope of what success is to us. But our purpose is directly tied to the assignment that God has designed and what he has given us. Everything is a conduit to one goal, which is to bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But I truly believe that the way that we get there is different ways. You know, that's why it's so many different types of churches, different styles of worship, all those different things that happen because our way of getting there may be different. And that's what's connected to our assignment. And a lot of times what we end up doing sometimes is that we look at somebody else's assignment or we look at somebody level of success and we want to become that. So we try to mimic that or we try to become that. When the actual God said, I have perfectly designed you the way you are for a reason. So that way you will be able to fulfill your assignment, which is your purpose.
0: hmm. That's really good. So then what would you say is your purpose?
1: My purpose, I'm a builder of people. Uh, So one of my goals in ministry is to constantly be the person that edifies and create a building. You know, if somebody doesn't have the brick, I'm the person that's going to bring the brick to them. Mm -hmm. So they can at least get the concept of what they want to see. I also consider myself an architect as well. So not only I'm going to bring the brick, I'm going to show you how this frame is going to work. So that way it leaves room for God to be able to move in your life. So when this building is built for you or you are at the point where you can see not only the foundation, but you can see how beautiful it is, you become truly what God has created you to be.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really good. So. What about that person that's like, I didn't have a good life growing up. I feel like the cards that I was dealt in life were just really bad. And I just find myself in crisis all the time. How do I navigate that tough moment to get me to a place of
1: purpose? That's good. That's good. That's a good question. A lot of times what I truly believe is not necessary that it's the crisis that get us to purpose is when we focus on the crisis too much. Mm-hmm. So for example, If somebody came to me with that type of scenario, the question I was asked them is that who do you want to become? A lot of times people focus so much on what they don't have. They don't understand what gifts or what abilities God has truly given you. A lot of times that's what people look at. You know, they look at the fact that they've been dealt such bad cards that they don't see that God has gifted them in that area. Like, for example, that they was in a poor state where they didn't really have much resources or different things of that nature. Mm -hmm. They might've been put in that situation so God can be able to use them to be able to help others to get out of that situation. So instead of focusing on the crisis, focusing on the end goal, you know, the crisis is nothing but a catapult to get you to purpose. Mm -hmm. It's nothing but something to get you towards your destiny. It's nothing but something to give you towards your identity in God. And a lot of times we just focus so much on the crisis and the crisis is meant to build us. It's meant for God to be able to give us a identity in him because a lot of times what ends up happening is that we do not allow God to move in our life as truly as he's able to move in our life. What do I mean by that? So when we look at our crisis, we end up changing the way that God wants to move in our life. Mm-hmm. If, if that makes sense. This is the thing too. A lot mm-hmm. of time when we're in crisis, we want God to move in our life. And that's the only time we want him to move in our life
0: mm-hmm. is when we're
1: going through crisis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You get know what I'm saying? So then we're using God as a medicine for our crisis instead of allowing God to show us the gifting that he has put inside of us, mm-hmm. the calling that he has put inside of us so we can get to the purpose.
0: I love what you're saying is that our focus is wrong. So as a pastor, I know that you spent a lot of time with a lot of people doing a lot of counsel and direction. So what would be some really good tips for somebody who is struggling to try and get out of that crisis?
1: Understand that they cannot deliver themselves. Mm. And what do I mean by that? A lot of times we hear different things, like we hear different saying or Christianese. Like for instance, God would never put more on us than we can bear. And what that does, it tries to give us the power to get out of our situation. Instead of allowing God to bring us out of our situation. Yes, the trial and tribulation that we go through personally can be more than we can bear. It talks about in Second Corinthians, I believe it's chapter two. Paul said that when he was in Asia, I don't want you to believe that the pain the suffering, the torment that I went through, I could handle it. Mm -hmm. Actually, it brought me to the point of death, but God delivered me from that. So when we focus on that through our trials, through our situation, through our crisis, that we can allow God to deliver us, then we can get to that point. We got to realize that we cannot deliver ourselves. We have to, we need to deliver. That's why we need Jesus. That's Mm -hmm. why we need God to perform in our life. Because he is the one that will deliver us from our circumstances. So that's one of the main things I try to teach people is that don't think that you are in this alone. You're not in this alone. Mm -hmm. God is by your side. He will pull you through. He will guide you through this.
0: That's really good. That's really good. I would also like to add to that. I love the fact that you said that we need a deliverer. But I think there's also important to change your mindset. A lot of times when we go into these spaces and we are attacked on every side and all we see is the negative of it. We have been given the authority to cast on those negative thoughts and we have to lean into that mind of Christ where we are now saying, this is who I am. Those positive affirmations of knowing who we are in Christ. And by changing that mindset, you can see a different outlook on what's going on. Yes, I may have experienced rejection, but I am accepted, that I am loved, that I am wanted. So then now I can see that my life in the cards that I was dealt may have been for my demise But with God, we've worked it all out. So now it's working for my good. And now I can use it as my testimony to share with other people that I'm no longer full of shame. I'm no longer full of guilt. But I can now tell you the goodness of Jesus and how he saved me and delivered me and set me free from that heartbreak or heartache or whatever it is that you could be experiencing.
1: That's so good. Because a lot of times what people do, they'll beat to things from their state of brokenness instead of state of victory. and that's so important to understand that I have to allow God to give me the victory over the situation. Give me the victory over my circumstance. Give me the victory over this crisis that's in my life so that I can speak from the point of victory because victory is what changes hearts. If you speak from the point of your defeat or you speak from the point of your suffering, people just don't think that you're just whining or you're, you know what I'm saying? You kind of, mm-hmm. you just wallowing in there or you're just trying to stay in that mental state. But if you speak from the point of victory, then people can not only relate, but it transforms. Mm-hmm. That's where the transformative power of God comes in.
0: Mm. So what are some practical spiritual formation steps that they could take? So, And when we talk about spiritual formation, we mean the disciplines that they could utilize to really enhance their relationship with God as they are now surrendering from the state of being focused on the negative, focused in crisis. How do I surrender that to God and then build my relationship with him?
1: One of the things I would say is that you definitely have to build a personal relationship with God because a lot of times I think that people depend so much on their leader. Mm. Leadership is important for guidance, but your personal relationship is what's going to give you breakthrough. So if you only time that you want to pray is when your leader is praying for you, or only time that you want to open up your Bible is on a Sunday morning, those things is what's going to keep you from getting towards. The state of victory in your life because God wants to convene with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. So in order for you to do that, you have to have a relationship. It says in order to like yourself in me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. So that the light, the word, delight comes from the word presence or pleasure, mm-hmm. which also means Eden as well. So he wants you to be in his presence. He wants to bring you to that state of Eden. He wants you to bring you into that garden state where it's just you and him having a conversation, talking, collaborating. I think a lot of times we miss the opportunity to get to our purpose because we missing the ultimate collaborator in our life, which is Mm God. We go day in and day out. We're making all these decisions, all these ways on our own. Mm -hmm. And we're not including God in none of those different things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important that we continue to bring forth. God into those things. So the main thing is personal relationship. Mm -hmm. Then obviously that personal relationship includes, you know, reading the word of God, having a prayer life. Mm -hmm. Those different things is what's going to get you practically from crisis to purpose.
0: Are you interested in starting a podcast but feel overwhelmed because you don't know where to start that's where buzzsprout comes in it's the easiest and best place to begin the team at buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed you'll get a great looking podcast website audio players that you can drop into other websites detailed analytics to see how people are listening tools to promote your episodes and more Buzzsprout gets your show listed in every major podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. So follow the link in my show notes and let Buzzsprout know that I sent you and you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And it also helps to support my show. (music) Welcome back to the show. Let's jump back into the conversation with Clifton. Mm-hmm. Really good. That is really good. So then, but what about that person that's saying, yes, I want to really build this relationship with God, but I don't know if he's going to love me because I've done these horrible things or I don't know if he's going to want me because my daddy didn't want me. And I don't know if I can trust God in that way. What would you say to them?
1: Oh my God, that's heavy because I would say one of the things that I personally dealt with is a lack of, of father accountability in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that took a huge toll on me because from my teenage years, which is the years where you are supposed to transition to manhood, you know, I'm transitioning from playing with toys to actually trying to build something or trying to create something with tools. I don't have that father figure in my life. So somebody that probably went through those different tracks, One thing that kept me focused was mentorship, you know, guidance from other male leaders that kind of build the framework. So I would say the main thing is that if you have some type of thing that you don't have, you need to look for somebody to help you get to that point. Mm -hmm. And obviously somebody that's going to be spiritually sound, different things of that nature, because obviously you don't want to get connected to something that is going to draw you away from God, Mm -hmm. but you definitely want to connect yourself with people that will build you up in the areas that you are weak. So, for example, if you were a find somebody that can bring you out of that, that can counsel you through that. If you didn't have a father figure, find somebody that can father you so you can get through that pain, that suffering. It took me a long time, I would say for myself, to deal with the different things that happened in my life far as father is concerned. Mm -hmm. It took me up to age 30. Mm-hmm. You know, to deal with. And I feel have. I'm not going to say it's completely healed, but I still have those moments where I'm like, mm. one of the things that kind of brought this thing up my wife and I are currently writing a book, and I talk about those different things. Like, for instance, my dad had a gift to change the world, but he decided to allow his circumstances to not fulfill the change of the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at that. So I don't have an example of that. So I would say the main thing is, is that find examples of where you want to be so they can help you get to that point of healing.
0: That is so good. I think there's so many of us, me included, I definitely have father wounds growing up that struggle with father wounds. And we don't really know how to navigate that space because it really penetrates our perception of ourselves, our identity, and our perception of God as well. And so for me, I know that my dad went from being present to being inconsistent, to being absent, to being inconsistent, to being present, to then passing away. So navigating that role was so hard and you start looking for love in all the wrong places. And so I wrote it in my book, Rejected to Accept It, my story on how I was really wounded looking for that love, looking for that validation. You know, it ended up in an abusive relationship, not realizing that that's what shaped my identity of myself. The reason why I expected somebody to treat me less than is because my father, because he treated me this way, that's the way I deserve to be treated. And then it actually shaped my perception of God. Because I mm. felt like God was going to be the same way. So I was too hesitant to really surrender to Him because I didn't know that if He would have saw my wounds, would He stay? That's good. And it was, oh
1: my God, that's good.
0: Yeah. So it was like I had to really go through a process. And the Lord really worked me through that. And He was like, you know what? Let me explain to you who I am. I am not your father. I am not the person that has let you down. Like you can trust me with your wounds. You can trust me. Let me show you my track record. And it was Uh. a process that really transformed my life to the point where I actually did a whole dissertation on healing father wounds and give you steps on healing and really just looking at that. And so it's something that I think we don't talk about a lot, but I think if we really took the time to really spend time there. Just because your father, your mother and father forsake you, the Lord will take you up as a father. And then even being honest to say, Lord, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't even know how to start a relationship with you. What do you think about that?
1: Oh oh my God, that's so good. You literally took the words right out of my mouth. One of the things that personally was a struggle for me is seeing God for who he could be in my life. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when you have a certain lens of what a father was to you, you can't even accept when the real thing comes.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You can't accept that, for example, for myself. Only thing that I saw from my father, realistically, I'm just going to be realistic, Mm -hmm. was that he loved me, but he was mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) and a drunk drunk and every all these different things with everybody else around him. <laughs> yep. You know, but but me, it was very in- intriguing because he'll come in sloppy, drunk and those different things. But it, it seemed like when he talks to me, he was sober up a little. And he would talk to me in a certain way and he'll be kind, nice and loving. So when I'm growing up, I'm like, okay, that's what a father looked like. A father, he only on who he's going to accept. You know, he's only going to be that guy to who he wants to be to. And, mm-hmm. you know, And then even with my family perspective, they used to say, oh, he was so kind and so relaxed and so laid back. You're nothing like your father. So I struggle with that. I'm like, do I want to be like my father? Right. You know, know, so I'm like, do I want to be like that? So I had to come to grips and understand that no, I don't necessarily want to become, I guess the best way to put it is I had a false perception of who my father really was. Mm hmm. So that false perception of who my father really was, I struggle with to try to become that. So I'm trying to become somebody that didn't really even exist in my life. So that was my struggle a, a lot, even with my relationship with God, is that God told me one day, he said, I don't want you just to believe in me. I want you to know me. Mm-hmm. See, yep. I believe. I can believe that, for example, that the, the sky is blue. Mm-hmm. But when I get into a plane and I actually, I'm engulfed in clouds and I'm engulfed in it, it's like I have a relationship with I'm close to it. Yep. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So those type of things are so important. So a belief is okay in the beginning. Yeah, because it says, you know, even to be saved, you have to believe. Exactly. But once you become to the, the knowledge of God, then now you are saved. Now I have given you the gifts. I have given you your calling. I have given you your assignment. All these things come from knowing God. Because knowing God means that I can have a conversation with them. Another example. I can see somebody on the street. I can believe that they're a nice person
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the street. But I don't know them. Yep, I don't know who they are. They mm-hmm. could be the meanest person on the block. Mm-hmm. But when I when I get to have a conversation with them, now I know them. And now I can understand where their heart posture is. Mm -hmm. And so in order to understand the heart posture of God, how he feels about you, how he cares for you, you have to know him. So I didn't know my father. I didn't know him because I had a certain perception of who he was Mm -hmm. that wasn't really who he was. Yep. That
0: is so good. I think the other part of that, and I want to speak to that person and I'll have you do this as well. I want to speak to that person that feels like it was their fault. That their father left or that they were responsible for their father not being there for them or not loving them the way they needed to be. Or if I would have done this, he would have stayed or if I would have done that, like you're holding that weight on you. And I want to speak to that person who's listening right now to let you know that it is not your fault that they left, that they abandoned you, that they were not there for you. It had nothing to do with you at all. That was a situation that they chose to walk away from, but it had nothing to do with you. You are loved, you are wanted, you matter. You have a position in this world that to fulfill a great purpose. And I challenge you to go find God and really experience his love that he has for you. And he will repair the shattered pieces of your heart with the glue of his love. And I I don't say that from a a position of just saying it. I'm telling you that from a position of knowing that for a long time, I thought it was my fault that my dad left, or I thought that if I would have done something better or been better or did better at school, that he would have then want me even more. But one thing I had to realize was that my father had some wounds of his own. He could only love me to the capacity that he could. So the little that I received was all he could give and that God put other people in my life to fill those voided places. And so not to just beat myself over the head or take on this negative identity, but to say, Lord, I need you to heal those broken spaces and then provide, like we've been saying, provide me with a surrogate father so that I can really get a new narrative of what does it mean to be healthy in those spaces and change what I desire in a relationship. Because for women, you fall in love with your father. That's the first man that you fall in love with. And that is the type of man that you will continue to like as your type. So a lot of women may like the emotionally unavailable man, the man that barely pays you any attention, the man you gotta work for, the man you gotta show, you know, I gotta show you I'm enough. I gotta give you all this stuff. I gotta give you my body. I gotta do all this stuff. And you're barely paying any attention. I wonder if that's how your father was. So you have to have God rewrite that narrative of what love is to you and how you value yourself so that you're not looking for it in the wrong spaces. So what would you say to a man that's struggling with his father wounds?
1: Man, uh, that is amazing. Uh, and you're absolutely right. But from the man perspective, one of the things that I believe is, this even can go for fathers that are there, but not present as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that I believe is the most weakest point for a male or a man that has a father that's not present is that they don't get the mantle passed to them. Mm -hmm. If you know, in biblical context, the mantle was always passed to the son. Mm -hmm. So they knew exactly what they had to uphold. And the son is meant to take it up another notch or perfect it. Like for example, you know, father Abraham, he had many sons, as they say, Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the things that Abraham was really good at was economics. So that was passed down from child to grandchild to great grandchild till we got to Joseph. So what did Joseph do? He perfected the mode of economics because of the generational lineage. So a lot of times what ends up happening is that the generational lineage is broken because the father is not present. And this is for a father that's there, but even not present. Because, mm-hmm. what do I mean by that? So, let's look at it from a practical standpoint. So, a lot of fathers, what they want to do, they want to provide. They think that providing is the form of being present, mm-hmm. but, but it's not. So, for example, before the industrial age, what ended up happening were sons and fathers used to be together, and the son would learn the father's trade. Mm-hmm. So that means the father not only is teaching you how to be a mechanic or teaching you how to garden or to do landscaping or whatever it is the trade may be, mm-hmm. he's also teaching your lessons about life. So what ends up getting lost in translation now is that during the industrial age, now father are going to factories, they're becoming, working on railroads, they're doing mm-hmm. all these different industrial type work. So they're working 12 hours a day and they're coming home tired. So, they ain't saying much. Right. I know even for myself, after I have a long day, m- my wife will tell me, she'll be like, You ran out of words in you. I was like, Yeah, I ran out of words today. And I'm, I'm perfectly honest with that. Mm-hmm. So, so, you're not saying much. So, that means you're not instilling into your son to, to prepare them to perfect what you have given them. Mm-hmm. So, so, I would say that was one of the main things I would say that is lost. When you do not have a father that's present, you miss that translation of being perfected or perfecting the skill or the task or the assignment of your father.
0: Wow, that is so powerful. I know I wrote in my dissertation about that physically present, but emotionally absent father. And I found that physically present, but emotionally absent father does the same amount of damage as the physically absent father. You get the same exact wounds. And people could not believe that. When I did all this research, I was like, yeah, so you have the same wounds if your father was never there, if he was not emotionally present in your life. Yeah. And so I think that is so important to really speak to those men who are present, but not emotionally present. Like, that is a piece that I think for both men and women, you know, sons and daughters, they need the most. They need that emotional presence where you can then speak to them because a father gives their child identity, purpose, and self-worth. And so, when you go into that space and you don't deposit that information into your child, they're now left to foster that purpose on their own. They're left to their own devices. And then the first person that comes along and starts to speak to them in a way that is foreign to them, they're going to accept it. So, if my father never told me I was beautiful, he never told me who I was, the first man that shows up and says, You're beautiful, then I'm willing to follow through and do whatever he says because that's why your father needs to be there to tell you who you are. So, when somebody else comes, Comes along, you already know that. And you're not shaken when you receive that compliment from somebody else. So I think that is so important as well.
1: Whoa.
0: Whoa. Rejected to accept it is an empowering guide to wholeheartedness. This book explores the personal triumphs and struggles I face while embarking on my self-discovery journey. After experiencing fatherlessness, domestic violence, and a series of failed and unhealthy relationships, more than a memoir, Rejected to accept it empowers the reader to overcome the crippling effects of rejection and domestic violence. You learn how to love yourself and others the way God intended and create healthy patterns for future relationships. This book provides hope and inspiration. Maybe you have personal experiences that left you heartbroken or questioning your worth. Rejected to Accept It will encourage you to allow Jesus to repair the shattered pieces of your heart with the glue of his love. Rejected to Accept It is available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com in both paperback and ebook formats.
1: Oh, that's so. that's so good. One thing I would add as well is that even from the male perspective as well, what ends up happening with them is that when they meet their significant other, they would meet a woman, they're not able to tell them what they are here to do. They're mm-hmm. not able to guide them. They're not able to lead them. So a lot of times they, after the, the honeymoon phase and all those different things is gone, a lot of times a woman is looking for what can they carry? You know, they're meant to carry something. Mm -hmm. So they want to carry your dreams. They want to carry your destiny. They want to carry your purpose. Yeah, they have their own assignment. They have their own destiny and goals too, but they want to carry something too. So that's why a lot of men, they'll look at their wife and be like, oh, you nagging me. No, they want to see where they're going. Right, right. (laughs) They want to see exactly where they're going. So that goes back to, you know, not being passed over anything. Because if I'm passed over an assignment from my father to make it greater, then I can always say that I can go to my wife and be like, okay, I know exactly what we're going to accomplish today. Mm -hmm. I know exactly where we're going in life. Mm -hmm.
0: That is so good. Again, we keep going back to it. We lean into our father, our heavenly father. He will mm-hmm. then deposit all that we need to discover that purpose that he placed inside of us. And for some of us, it may be to then go back and help others who are struggling with that same thing. I think sometimes people miss that part of it, that sometimes our purpose can be placed right inside of that crisis that you are experiencing. Yes. So there may be somebody else that's going through the very thing that you've been through And, you know, we want to run off and do something else because we don't want to handle the weight of the shame of going through the process of healing. But it's like when you take that moment to go through that journey, it's going to be where it says, you know, in Psalms 23, like when I walk through that dark sunless valley, I'll fear no evil. When you go through that dark sunless valley, trust me, you are going to go to the extreme. You're going to be pulled. You're going to go through that process of healing. It's going to be so hard, but it's going to be so worth it. It's going to be so worth it that when you get on the other side, then you can really look back and say, let me help you get through that. So when you see the next person that's struggling for a woman, struggling with her identity, struggling with her purpose, struggling, you know, trying to figure out who she is and why her relationships are not working. Then you can say, "Okay, you know what? Let me help you. Let me guide you because I've been there before. And even for men, you could do the same thing as well.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot of time when we're going through crisis too, I didn't even bring this up earlier, is that we become repeat offenders of crisis because we didn't learn the lesson. Mm-hmm. We didn't learn the lesson from the first crisis, but we're not developing our identity to overcome that crisis. Mm-hmm. So that is so important. Like as men and women, as we're going through these different things, we're, we have to, try, fail, and adjust. I, I t- my wife and I, we talk about this all the time is that, you know, we, we don't want to always get it right every time, mm-hmm. but we want to make sure that we are able to try, fail, and adjust when we get it wrong. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yes. yes. So I want to ask you, well, now this is a little personal, so you can answer if you want to. With you healing your father wounds, how have you been able to connect well with your children?
1: That's really good. I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you. My oldest, because uh, I said I had three children, but one is deceased. She ended up passing away. She was born th- three months premature and she ended up passing away after being here for 10 weeks. Wow. Uh, but my, So my oldest living child is eight years old. His name is Caleb. Love him. My first born son. Love him. So I struggle with that, I, I guess, because I didn't close up those follow rooms enough so i struggle with not trying to become like my father so Mm -hmm. i focus more on not trying to become like my father instead of me being the best father i can Mm -hmm. so and a lot of times what end up happening me focusing on and and i think you said this earlier about what you focus on so me Mm -hmm. focusing on not trying to become my father i actually start acting like my father wow so i'm like okay Now we have to try, fail, and just, God, I need you to come in. I need you to reverse this thing, reverse my mindset Mm -hmm. so I can be able to become the best father I can be, not to be the best father that my father wasn't. Mm. So I struggled with, that. I would say, probably about four or five years. I would say over the last three years, going on four years, I really had to change my mindset of what kind of father I wanted to be. So now that we have a newborn, uh, three-month-old, his name is Creed. Now I have I, I guess a better handle. I guess with parenting, you never have completely together, but I have a better handle on what I want that to look like, my relationship with my sons. A lot of it took research as well. Okay, why am I this way? Why am I treating my son this way? Uh, why am I reacting this way? What am I supposed to instill into my son? You know mm-hmm. So that came from reading the Word of God. Look at that really good biblical examples of being a father. And that's why, you know, I, I spoke about earlier about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, because that lineage was powerful, you know, and then you have broken lineages like you have King Saul. One, He was the less of his tribe, you know, so he dealt with identity issues when he became king, mm-hmm. you know, so I know. I don't want to treat my son less than who he is. I want to build him up, you know? So Mm -hmm. you learn those lessons from the the biblical examples that are doing it great. And you also learn how to be great from the examples that weren't so great.
0: Mm, That is so good. And I love that God is equipping you to be able to be, the father that you are called to be trying not to be your father, repeat yes. the offenses of your father. So I love that. And, and I think that is so important. So can you speak to the men that may be struggling with that, that they had those father wounds and now they're fathers. Can you speak to them and give them some encouragement?
1: You can do it. Uh, you definitely could do it. It's just a shift in mindset, but the Lord's guidance with the Lord's help, all things are possible. But you, you have to make sure that you build the relationship with the heavenly father, because if you do not build a relationship with the heavenly father, it's going to be hard for you to become the father that you are meant to be. Most of the examples that will drive you, most of the examples that will create, I guess, a roadmap for you will be from the biblical examples of who you are supposed to be. So definitely you can do this. Yes, that father won't ha- happen in your life, but you can become who God has created you to be. As a father,
0: that is so powerful. Men, take notes because this is some good stuff that we are discussing on this podcast today. Oh my goodness. So, now let's pivot just a little bit. The pandemic has left us all in a brand new space, right? What have you learned about yourself in the pandemic?
1: Great question. I learned so much. But one of the main things I learned, let me start it out this way. Mm-hmm. So right before the pandemic actually hit, what of the Lord? I was having a conversation with God and the word of the Lord was, do everything that you meant to do or that you wanted to create, do it this year. So mm-hmm. basically, essentially what that was saying is that don't have any what ifs, throw it all on the table. Mm-hmm. So I did it. So, so last year I opened up four businesses.
0: Wow. I created
1: three new ministries. I wrote three books. I did. I, I did all these different things. Some things were successful. Some things weren't too successful to my standard. Some things were a flop. Mm-hmm. But what God was teaching me is that now that you get all that mess out of your system, because some of that stuff I didn't want you to do anyway. <laughs> right, right. Now do you get all that mess out of your system. Mm-hmm. Now you focus on what I want you to establish. So 2021 for me is the year of establishment. Mm. So, so now that you get all that junk, All those things that you would have, could have, should have. You got all those things out your system now. Now you can be the Clifton that I have designed you to be. You can establish the quote unquote empire that I want you to create.
0: Mm, That is so good. Come on, vision and direction. Yes. So with that being said, tell us about your podcast.
1: Yes. Yeah. So my wife and I, we host a podcast called Identity Journey, where we help people go from crisis to purpose. And the objective of our podcast is just to shed light on different practical things in your life. So like, for instance, right now, my current son actually was born three months premature, and he's currently in the NICU right now. He'll be going home soon. So praise Jesus for that. So our podcast is focusing on um, him. So it, we actually doing a podcast called Apostles Creed. My son is named Pete Creed, and one of the offices that I carry is is the Apostle. Mm-hmm. So we call it Apostles Creed, and it's just basically going over the journey that we have with our son in the NICU to teach people that may be struggling with this. Because one thing we noticed, like for example, the hospital we have they had sixty two bed for NICU babies. So in just the rotation of babies that come through there and the different struggles that parents go through being in the NICU. And this is our second round of going through the NICU. Actually, third, because our middle son, Caleb, he was in the NICU. It was only two two days, but I guess that still counts. But for sure, the, the other two were in for an extended period of time. So That's one of the things that we're discussing right now on our podcast. But we definitely talk about marriage, identity, and marriage. Uh, We talk about just your personal identity in Christ, just understanding who you are in Christ, understanding the seasons and the time, understanding when you need to clean house, understanding relationships. So we talk about all those different things on our podcast.
0: Where can we hear this podcast?
1: You can hear it on pretty much all of podcast platforms. We're on Spotify we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So YouTube channel we have is Identity Journey Podcast. You can get snippets of podcasts on our Facebook page and on Instagram as well, which is Identity Journey as well.
0: Awesome. So before we go, I want you to speak to that family that's struggling with their child being premature in NICU. They don't know what to expect. They're, you know crying they're frustrated they just they don't know what to do can you encourage them
1: absolutely absolutely center yourself and it will be okay take it day by day don't try to do too much at once because it's going to drive you crazy <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just just take it one day at a time it's not a race it's a journey mm-hmm. it's it's a journey it's it's a marathon some days are going to be tougher than others Build your support system, bear your prayer warriors, build all those people around you so that you will be able to make it through it because you will make it through it. Your baby every day is going to be growing. Your baby every day is going to be getting better, getting stronger as they're getting stronger. Make sure that you are making yourself stronger as well so you can prepare yourself for them.
0: Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Can you just pray really quick over them that are in this space of crisis?
1: Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify your holy name because you're worthy to be praised, lifted up and magnified. Thank you for who you are, Father, in our lives. We continue to give you the praise, glory, and the honor for everything that you have done so far in our life and continue to do in our life. Father, I pray right now for anyone that's going through any crisis type situation, whether it's a loss of a father, whether it's a absence of a father, whether it's a baby in the NICU, whether it's somebody that's been molested or whatever it may be, Father, we ask you right now to bring them closer to you. Draw them close, Father, as never before. Father, lead them, guide them, in their situation, and circumstances right now. Give them strength to be able to overcome every obstacle that they can walk to the highest mountain and not be winded, Father. That you will be able to have them at a higher elevation in their life that they will be able to see clearly and breathe clearly, Father. Feel it in the spirit right now that someone is getting shortness of breath, not because of where they are, is where they're trying to go and they can't see the way out, Father. So right now, I'm asking you to breathe the life into them. Breathe the fresh Ruach into them right now, Father. So they'll be able to go a step further and walk a step further, Father. Father, I speak right now to the family that may be struggling with their baby in the NICU. I'm encouraging them right now to be able to c- draw closer to you, Father. You said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So send your drawing power right now, because right now we lift up the name of Jesus. And we understand, Father, if you have the midst of it, Father, it will work out for the good of them. love you, and are called according to your purpose. Father, we thank you, Father, right now that the situation and circumstances will not last forever. You will bring them out. You will bring them out victorious. You'll bring them out with their destiny. You'll bring them out with their purpose. And we speak it all in your son, Jesus' name. Thank God. Amen.
0: Amen. Oh my goodness. That is so powerful thank you so much pastor clifton ross jr how can we follow you on social media
1: yes so on all social media platforms of facebook and instagram especially i I do snapchat every once in a while but not much it's clifton ross jr so i i decided to make everything the same so it makes it easier for me because i won't remember all those tags so Mm -hmm. so uh, on twitter clifton ross jr On Instagram, it's Clifton Rawls Jr. On everything is Clifton Rawls Jr. So if you want to follow me on those, you can there.
0: Awesome! Thank you so very much. This has been such an amazing, thought-provoking, empowering session today. Thank you so much for being on our show.
1: Thank you for having me. I had such a good time. I thank you so much.
0: You are so welcome. You guys heard the music, so you know what time it is. Thank you for joining me for this episode. I look forward to providing you with more encouraging content that empowers you to discover your purpose, embrace your identity, and engage faith tenaciously. If you have any questions you would like answered on the show about your purpose, faith, relationships, or anything in general, email me at info at Want to book a one-on-one session with me? You can. Just click the link in the show notes to schedule that session. Make sure that you follow Clifton on social media at Clifton Ross Jr. And make sure that you like, subscribe and comment on the podcast. You can follow me on social media at MissRoyalty143 on Instagram and Twitter and Dr. Lysandra Barnes on Facebook. Remember, you can purchase a copy of Rejected to Accepted online. Click the link in the show notes. And last but not least, you've been listening to the Royal One Podcast where I empower women the royal way. Have a great day.